Alrighty, hello and welcome to Genuine Connections. I am your host, Jen. In Genuine Connections, I invite friends and strangers to talk and share stories to ultimately connect. Uh, my guest today is Nick. Hello. Uh, so um, I met Nick in a meetup group in Tampa. The meetup group is one that I actually started here just a few weeks ago because I moved to Tampa just a few days ago. What made you join my meetup group, actually? I found you on Reddit. <laughs> I found you on Reddit, actually. Do you know my name, my Reddit name? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh my gosh! No, you don't. <laughs> I feel like I'm so easy to find. It's so yeah, no. it's so clear what like who I am on Reddit. It's so clear. It didn't it didn't make sense. I'm like your name doesn't make sense, but I know. Who well, I'm trying to be anonymous, but I'm so not. No. It's I I because I I even put a link up to my podcast in so many subreddits. Okay. And so it's very clear that my sub my Reddit name is not me. It's connected to you though. I know. Yeah. I know. So which which subreddit? It was the Tampa subreddit. I think it was about a week ago. Somebody posted about, like, um, I'm new in town. I need places to hang out. And you commented on the thread saying, um, hey, I just moved. I'm about to move up there. I'm creating a meetup group. And I was like, oh, I clicked on the meetup group link from there. So, oh, yay. So you joined it from the Reddit? I joined the meetup from the Reddit, yeah. Yay. That's so cool. Yeah. So wait. Um, okay. So you're, that's right, you're new in town. Yeah. You've been here for I've been years. here for about four months. Four months. Four months. And you moved from? Denver. Denver. Yeah. So what are your initial thoughts? Of Tampa? Yeah. Eh. Really? Yeah. That's no. I mean, think about it. The difference between Denver and Florida. It's a big difference. It is a big diff. So like, what would you, what would you say from your perspective are like the biggest differences? The weather, obviously. Yes. The weather. Yes. I'm not a big fan of the weather here. Really? I, right now it's beautiful. Right now it's perfect. You I like, like it cooler. I, I love the cool, yeah. Ugh, I actually don't like it because it's too cold. Like, in Tampa. Like when sweater season started and like all my friends were like posting pictures of their hoodies and their little hats and everything, like I started getting feelings, you know, like, man, this sucks. Like you miss that? Yeah, because it's so hot over here. That's so funny. I it's, think it's way too cold right now. And the summer here is just, it's brutal. It, it can be it brutal. brutal. Yes, it, it is. Um, let's start from the very beginning. Okay. Um, what's, so you, you're thinking, okay, I think I'd be really good for this podcast. Was there something in your life that made you feel like you really want to share it? Like, what do you so really want to share? What I really want to share in particular is. My last 10 years. And it's crazy. <laughs> I want to share like half my life. Half my life. No, exactly the last 10 years have been a roller coaster ride. Um, that have been, you know, that have benefited me. I've done a lot in the last 10 years. Let's just go with okay. that. I have do done wanna, more. Do you want to explain why you moved to Tampa? Like why I think we should start with that. Yeah, sure. that's a good start. That's a good start. So I moved to Tampa about four months ago to get my life together. Because I crashed. And what I mean by that is I got, uh, I went crazy. I got hospitalized and I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Okay. Um, 
So I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and then after you know going through therapy and treatment and losing everything, losing everything I owned, uh, losing my girlfriend, uh, losing my apartment, um, the the last resort was moving in with my parents in Tampa while I try to restructure my life, try to find a new path. So. Okay, I want I want more detail. Yeah. So. How long were you living in Denver for? I lived in Denver for about two and a half years. Okay. When did you feel like your life was going out of control? Or did you always feel like it was a roller coaster? I always knew there was something wrong with me. But I didn't. I never knew what it was. Um, so, I don't know if you know about bipolar disorder. It's not the stereotypical, I'm happy one minute. And is there kind of a spectrum to it's it? It's not really a spectrum. Or is it, or is it or is like, if one person has bipolar disorder, another person, another person has bipolar disorder... They can experience. It's pretty much they have the same experiences. It pretty same. There's common symptoms, but everybody has a different. You know, depending on their lifestyle and their life and what's happening around them at the time. But for the most part, it's the same thing. Okay, so when I guess when did you initially notice it? At like what age? Um. It the um. I noticed, I started noticing it in the last three years, mostly, because what happens is with bipolar disorder, you go through these phases of euphoria. Okay. You, where you're on top of the world. You are on this godlike complex. You're, you're just on top of the world. You're high. You can do anything. And you think you can do anything. What triggers those experiences? It just happens. You're just like, wow, I feel amazing. It just happens. Really? No, that's literally, you just feel, you feel amazing. You lose, you don't sleep. So that, that's one thing. Because I you just feel so good. You're, You're like, let's so keep going. You think everything's a good idea. Um, and you know, if you look at people who are bipolar and are very successful, a lot of successful people are bipolar because of this. Because you feel like you can do anything and nothing's going to stop you. It's like a drive. It's Their a euphoria drives them. Yeah. So a lot of successful people are, are bipolar. You know, Kanye West, Britney Spears. Um, is it Katy Perry bipolar? I'm sure she is. Uh, a lot of entrepreneurs are, are bipolar because nothing will stop you. Nothing will stop you. You're just riding this high. But you, get, you can get into trouble. You make very risky decisions. Um, for me, one of the biggest things was I spend a lot of money. So when I got in this euphoric high, all I wanted to do was just spend, spend, spend money. And it didn't matter how I got the money. It didn't matter if I dug myself into, um, debt. Um, if I wanted something, I would get it. Um, so that's one of the things I started noticing was how my spending was getting so bad. I was buying, you know, electronics, guitars, cameras drones almost every day and uh, how how did you afford that credit i would just find ways credit uh what got me in a lot of trouble was like payday loans i don't know if you've heard of those uh-uh. payday loans they're like very high interest rate loans like okay. 125 percent apr 400 percent apr like they'll give you all the money you want but they're gonna charge you almost like 400 percent right. right yeah okay now, what happens after, after you've this high, when it could last anywhere from a few weeks to a couple months, um, you really, yeah. there's no like fluctuation no. day to day. Everybody's just, different. It's, and you can write it a lot, you know, like I said, that's a, a long weeks, time to be on a high. Yeah, it is. 
And it's that's like hard for me to imagine. But there, like I said, there's benefits to it. Like I was explaining in the last 10 years, I've done a lot of things. Looking back at it now, I didn't know this at the time. Looking back at it now, because I've done a lot of cool things in my life. I've had very big successes. Um, it was all due to my bipolarism. It was all during manic episodes. Um, I didn't know this at the time. I know this now that I've been diagnosed. I've been able to look back at my last 10 years and going, oh, that explains that. Oh, that explains why I did that. Like, oh, that explains how I got that job promotion. Um, you know, because in my last company, I ranked up the chain very high until I was a director of medicine. Um, how did I do it? I was manic the whole time, you know, but eventually you crash and it's led by a very depressive episode where you fall into some very deep depression. Uh, and that usually lasts a couple weeks to a couple months as well. What triggers a crash? Is it, is it just your Eventually it just ends, the high ends. Um, or you tend to realize what, how much trouble you've gotten into. Um, you realize how uncontrolled your life has been for the last few weeks or months. Everything starts gaining up on you and you eventually just become a depressed, very, very depressed person. It's like hard for me to wrap my mind around that you can be on such a high for so long and then it, it's like almost like a sudden realization that you've done so much and maybe gone through some trouble to do so much that you suddenly hit your... You, got, you also got to think about it from a chemical, point, you know, chemical point, uh, perspective in your head. You know, you have all this rush of dopamine and, and what is it called? You know, mostly dopamine. You have all this rush of dopamine, 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 until your brain just can't produce it anymore. Um, I guess, I guess, I just wonder, like, why, how, like, why the length of time that it lasts? That like, I can't that, tell that, you. Right, that might just be totally random. That's that's that random because there's oh well, well, there's two different types of bipolar. There's bipolar one and bipolar two. Bipolar one is usually people who last more than a week or so. Uh, bipolar two is people that change between one day to the other so like one day or two days you could experience this euphoria this high and then you could go a week depressed and um, the only way to really be stable is through medication that's really the only way and even then um, some people still experience these manic episodes or depressive episodes while on medication just not as bad so hmm. So that's why I'm here in Tampa. Uh, I got I had a really bad manic episode starting in February. Um, it lasted February, March, April. It lasted about three months. And um, so, so what happened? So you were on this high. I was on this high. Uh, I quit my job because um, I thought it was a great idea. I just woke up one morning. That was the high. That was part of the high. It was part of the high. Well, I was very depressed for a while, and then it led into a high where. I, I just made very reckless decisions. For example, adopting my dog, adopting my wolf dog. That was a, <laughs> you know, just one random day. I woke up and I was like, I'm going to go adopt a wolf, <laughs> you know, and I showed up to my apartment. Right, right. I was, yeah. It's just, that's, you just make crazy decisions and you don't think about it. You just think, yeah. you think in that moment, they're the greatest ideas in the world. And then you're like, wait a second. Well, you don't realize the repercussions. Like I remember coming home and you know, to my apartment and my girlfriend was there and I remember going like, check this out. And she was like, what the hell? She's yeah. like, this dog's huge. Like you live in an apartment. Like what is wrong with you? Um, so what made you think, oh, I should adopt a dog right now? 
when I when I noticed he looks like a wolf. I just because I and want, you're like I, that's great. I am like he looks like a really badass dog. I remember I leaving work. I remember leaving work. Just like leaving to go with dog. Right, you said you asked your boss if you could leave yeah, I was to like, get this dog. I was just like, I need to go get this dog. Like, no, when you're in this state, nothing's going to stop you. Nothing's going to stop you. You just think it's the greatest idea. So what were? Okay, sorry. Keep going on your on your high. So yeah, no, I did that. I noticed I was spending a lot of money. I was buying a lot of computers because um, you 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 get these ideas. And you run them. You just run them. Like you're like I was like okay, I'm going to be this great photographer. And but in order to be this great photographer, I need the best of the best. I need the best cameras. I need the best drones. I need every accessory that the, that's out there. Um, you know, I need the best computer to edit. And um, you just do what you got to do to get it. So you know, once I started noticing how much debt I was getting in, um, you know, but you kind of ignore it. You kind of just ignore it and you just keep going with it. So it was that. Um, uh, another thing is you, uh, you're very into yourself. So like, I wasn't really paying much attention to my girlfriend. And then, uh, one day I just, we just randomly woke up and I was like, we need to break up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. I remember we were getting ready to go out somewhere. Did you have feelings like that you felt like you wanted to break up with her? Yeah. I had already oh. had like thoughts that okay. I wanted to break up with her, but okay. I never decided like, okay, I'm going to do it today. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm not going to do it tomorrow. It was just one random morning. We were getting ready to go out somewhere, and I was just like, I'm sorry, we got to break up. Like, you need to leave right now. Um, and I remember one of the things you do is you, you, I was cleaning my apartment. And one of the things when you're on this high, you just start cleaning. Um, you clean a lot. At least I do. And I remember just cleaning my apartment while breaking up with her. Like, you need to leave. You need to leave. And uh, yeah, I broke up with her. And uh, she left obviously very upset, very pissed off. And about a week later, I started partying. And I'm not a big party guy. I'm not a big party guy. I'm not really into getting drunk or anything like that. But I was on this high because like, holy shit, I'm single. Like I can do whatever I want now. And um, I just started partying, drinking a lot of tequila, uh, especially with the people that live in the apartment complex I was living in. And then within a week, I started hooking up with this other chick. Now, another big symptom of uh, bipolarism when you're manic is hypersexuality. You get very horny. Mm -hmm. You just want to fuck everything. <laughs> so uh, I met this girl that lived in the apartment complex I was living in. And we were just partying. And one thing led to another. And my focus was just on this girl for about a few weeks. And... Slowly after a few weeks, I started noticing my whole life. I had to quit my job. I remember one morning I woke up and I was like, I don't want to work anymore. I remember walking into my office with my dog in my pajamas and saying like, I'm sorry, guys, I can't work here anymore. And they were like, and they knew there was something wrong with me because I had, I had, um, I had been missing a lot of work days. And a few days prior to that, I got in an altercation with my boss. Um, I just started attacking her verbally one day telling her how bad of a boss she was and stuff. So was she bad? Not really. She's just very egotistical. I, there was things she could have done different. No, she was not a bad boss. I just, one random day, I didn't agree with the way she was doing things. And I just started blah, throwing up on her. You know, just all these verbal accusations and, and stuff. 
And so they kind of knew there was something going on with me. So when I showed up with my dog in my pajamas one morning saying, I can't work here anymore, they were actually very supportive. They were very, very supportive about it. Wow. Um, That's kind of nice. Now, mind you, this whole time, um, I was addicted to marijuana. This whole time. Then I've been addicted to marijuana for the past, uh, hold on, I'm 29. So since I was 16, I've been addicted to marijuana. Were you addicted, like, kind of from the get-go, or? For the most part, yeah. Yeah. I have a very addictive personality, but, you know, I want to definitely want to mention that people. There, a lot of people think it's funny when you say you're addicted to marijuana. Like, Why is that funny? Even, a lot of people don't think you can get addicted to marijuana. Yeah, I don't think. A lot well, of people think it's, it's just weed. It's just weed. Like, you can't get, you know, no, you can. You could definitely get addicted to weed. So between, so I've been smoking weed for so long, every single day, and I was smoking a lot of weed, you know, living in Denver. How, yeah. How did you get into that in the first place? Just friends? I, uh, yeah, friends from high school, you know, trying to fit in with the cool kids, trying okay. to fit in with the cool crowd. They got me high one day, and ever since then, I just wanted to feel high every single day. Um, there was a little bit of a gap. Uh, there was about a gap of three years that I didn't smoke because I was in the military. I was in the Navy, uh, but literally the day I got kicked out of the Navy, I started smoking weed again and had, did not stop until about four months ago. There's been breaks here and there when I went to like rehab and stuff because I've checked myself into rehab a few times. Wow, you got, oh, we got a lot of things to talk about. Yeah, no, there's a lot going on. But, okay, um, so do you want to talk more about your marijuana addiction? Well, the marijuana addiction, like I said, it started off when I was 16 and... I always, at first it was a lot of fun, especially when I moved to San Francisco. Um, I was living in San Francisco and it, I was just very spiritual and I would use it very much so for spiritual reasons and, you know, to think I was bettering myself and everything. And eventually it started becoming a problem uh, to the point where I couldn't function without it. Um, and it gets to the point where weed's very expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's part of an addiction. All of your money is going to it. Um, and then eventually it gets to the point where you can't do anything without it. You know, like I'd rather like if we're going to go out to dinner or something like I have to smoke first. And then after dinner, I have to smoke after dinner or like I had to smoke before work. I would go home and smoke during lunch. I was every I had to smoke. Forever. You did it religiously. It was a religion. Yeah, for sure. Um, and did that affect your bipolar disorder? I don't know. Um, I think the reason I did it was because I, I, there was something wrong with me. I never knew I was bipolar for the longest time. Do you think? But I was self-medicating. Knew? Or had? Or did, do you think people just thought, hmm, there's something? I'm no, bad. they just probably. A lot of people thought I was cool. And what I mean by that is, when I was on these manic episodes, people tend to gravitate towards you. Is it because you're kind of like? Overly confident? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're overly confident and people just love you. People gravitate towards you. People think, like, this guy's awesome. Um, and then when I would hit the depressive episodes, I think that's when people would know that there was something wrong with me. Because I would just completely disappear. Do, oh, like a 180. Yeah. I would just completely disappear for weeks on end. Um, I wouldn't text people back. You know, like, for example, I remember disappearing on my girlfriend all the time. It would be like two weeks I would go. And she didn't her. question anything? She didn't tell you to be like, hey, 
we should go you should go see like a doctor or a therapist this no is an odd behavior no no i think well i think I was, that's odd from well i was diagnosed with anxiety and depression from the military so i always blamed it on that okay i always blamed it on that um and that's why I always said I smoked weed so much was to treat my, you know, because I was always okay, against yeah. medication. I was always 100% against medication. Uh, are you medicated now? I am, or? yeah. And I'm are you now for medication? Yes. Yes. It has saved my life. Yeah. It has saved my life. I'm pretty pro-medication too. No, yeah. It's I just, I just don't, I mean, all things can be abused. So it's like, you don't want to be so medicated, you're... I don't know. You're on so many... But at the same time... I don't know. I'm just kind of the person that's like, you do whatever you want to do. It's your body. Like, your no, body, yeah. Your I, was, I was always against the whole pharmaceutical industry and like, they just want you to be doped up and all this stuff. But you know? like, you're not. You're just trying to take care of no. yourself, right? I mean, now, I've, now that I know about it is, you know, there's an in, imbalance in chemicals in my brain. The, my brain does not produce the chemicals that it's supposed to like a normal brain. And I need to take these medications mm -hmm. for it to, to do what it's got to do, to mm -hmm. balance it back out. Yeah. I'm medicated too. And I need to be in order to function, kind of like yeah. you. But I have epilepsy. And if I were on medications, I like couldn't drive, right? Because okay. if I would have a seizure while driving, I could kill myself or other people, <laughs> you know? And, like, my, my epilepsy is actually very mild. I'm, like, super lucky. I don't have to have, like, brain surgery or anything. But I'll, like, my body will twitch or I'll drop things a lot or I might fall. Like, I'll just start walking and then trip over nothing randomly throughout the day. A lot of times if I... Even while you're medicated? Very rarely while I'm medicated. But if I weren't medicated, you'd just see me twitching, like, every 10 minutes. Okay. <laughs> but they're so... That's actually very minor. Yeah. And maybe not every 10 minutes, but it's just so random. But you've never, Twitch, you've never, it's never happened while you were driving? Um, it actually has, but it's like, right. it's a split second. It's like, done. Just Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's kind of like a shiver up your spine. Or if I'm like fiddling around with my phone, I might like drop it. Or if I fall, I just fall and I get up again because it's a split like, second. What if you hurt yourself when you fall? That's actually how I ended up going through it. Whoops, I just took my phone, which is recording. <laughs> um, that's actually how I ended up going to the hospital and realized that I had seizures. Because uh, one morning, I just fell a lot. Mm -hmm. And I fell on my, I fell weirdly on my ankle. And I'm like, okay, why am I falling a lot? And like, ow. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. It was actually... I ended up going to the hospital because I fell so many times, and I'm not even, even a clumsy person. Right. So um, I was crying in the bathroom after falling so many times, and I'm hurt, and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, why am I falling? And my mom comes into the bathroom, and she sees me crying, and she's like, why are you crying? <laughs> I'm not, like, really a crier. Like, I don't really cry. Right. And like, unless there's, like, a need to cry. So she's kind of like, why are you doing this? And why are you sitting in the bathroom? So she's like, what are you doing? And I and I told her, like, I keep falling. And I don't know why. Okay. And then she's kind of like, what do you mean you keep falling? You don't know why. I'm like, I just keep falling. And I don't know why. Definitely concerning. Yeah. So yeah. she's kind of like, what? And so I'm on the ground. And then she's like, 
going to help me up. She's picking me up. And then I have another seizure in her arms. And my mom's super weak. We're super weak. So my seizure brings her to the ground and me to the ground. And then she's like, holy fudge. And then um, she's like, yeah, that was not normal. Like she <laughs> felt the shake. Yeah. No. She felt me shake in her arms. And then she started interrogating me. Like, are you eating enough? Are you sleeping enough? Are you like, just like all these, I feel like teenager questions. These mom questions. All these mom questions. Yeah. Then she got my dad and he started interrogating me and um, they fed me because they thought I would, they were, they thought that I wasn't eating enough. Like, I've always been kind of skinny. Mm -hmm. and But that was not the issue. Are you doing drugs? Yeah, I think they asked me that. Like, yeah, what are you doing? Uh, drugs. And so they rushed me to the hospital. I, they, I took an MRI. They questioned me. I think I did, like, another kind of scan. And eventually I had an EEG test, too. And I, got, I had epilepsy. How long ago was this? I was 16 years old. Oh, okay. Almost a decade ago. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, medications are can be really good. No, definitely. Appropriately. I'm definitely for them now, for sure. <laughs> and it takes a while to get... I don't know if you, you had to try different medications to get... I did! Yeah. I did! I've been, I mean, I'm just getting started in my in my um, recovery. I guess April... Since April, I started being on medications. And um, I've tried all different kinds. And some just knock you out. Some work. Some don't even do anything. Well, okay, so... I didn't know how to swallow pills mm -hmm. when, like, when I was even a teenager. And so they put me on a children's medication, like a <laughs> chewable. But I ended up overdosing on it. Really? <laughs> I was like really dizzy. or I was just like dizzy and everything was like blurry. I had like double vision. And I just like overdosed on like this children's medication. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, you're going to have to learn how to swallow, girl. Take big, big girl pills. And so I had to taper on the children's, taper off, and then taper on big girl pills. So that's actually how I learned how to swallow. Okay. So I learned how to swallow by like, what, 17? <laughs> <laughs> swallow pills by like 17. Uh, so, yeah, but what sucked is it's a, it's a process. No, yeah, it so is. So literally like right after I got my driver's license, and my parents were like, yeah, Learn how to drive, so I'm gonna have to drive you. Mm -hmm. But like, I got my license, and then just like a few months later, it's like taken away. They my, took your license my, away. Yeah, my freedom was just gone. Because got it. Mm -hmm. That's actually what I cried about. I did not cry because I had epilepsy. I was like, that's fine. Okay. Right when the doctor told me uh, we're gonna have to suspend your license, I balls really? that was the worst part of the whole thing not the apple oh yeah it's your freedom yeah they took away my freedom just when you I got was, it too yes just yeah. when i got it i was ready to drive to school the next year and just like drive my friends around go wherever i want whenever i want and i was like i don't know, if, I don't know it just brought me back I mean, if it makes you feel better i got my license suspended before i even got it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's funny. It was that my, sucks. my 17th birthday. Um, I was having a huge party. I used to be a big partier back in high school and I used to throw these crazy. Wow, we were different people. <laughs> I used to throw these outrageous house parties and my parents, they would let me, they would let me. That was the thing. And for my 17th birthday, I was going big. I was going big and my parents were letting me go big to the, and there was going to be food and everything. And, um, we needed chairs for the party. Did they let you drink? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's a Spanish thing. I'm not Spanish. I'm Latino. So I think it's just a Spanish thing. Okay. And the town I'm from, it's all it's very alcoholics. Everyone's an alcoholic. So it was just, the cops didn't do anything about these house parties. It was just like, cool, as long as you guys are good. But uh, we needed chairs, I remember. My parents let me drive without a license starting at 15. Um, my dad taught me how to drive very early. And I used to drive without a license all the time. And they, they didn't, it's, I don't want to say they didn't care. They, I guess they trusted me enough. But uh, we needed chairs for this party, and I remember my best friend said, I have a bunch of chairs in my backyard. We, let's go pick them up, and we can use, you know, bring them over for the party. So I took my dad's truck, and I remember wanting to show off to my friend. And we were high at the time. I think we smoked, and then I remember saying, uh, dude, check this. Like, I'm going to rev it. Like, I don't remember. I'm going to rev it. Whatever. Long story short, I crashed head on into a parked car and I was scared because my friend started screaming that he got hurt. My friend started screaming like, ah, ouch, ouch, ouch. Um, I didn't have a license and we were high. So my immediate thought was leave, like get away from this place. Now, mind you, my dad drove a bright yellow Tweety Bird pickup truck. And it was the only one in town. So, like, everyone knew whose truck that was. Yeah. And I thought in the state of mind I was in that I could drive it to my friend's house who was into cars. And he could fix it up real quick. Mm -hmm. Not knowing the extent of the damage. And I remember pulling up to his house across town. And the second I pull in, cops just started swarming my car from all over the place. And the cops came up to me and asked me, what happened? And I was like, I hit a car. And they're like, yeah, we know. And that's when I looked at the extent of the damage. And long story short, I got seven tickets from that. I got, yeah, I got seven tickets from that. Failure to have, you know, I didn't have a license, hit and run, uh, driving under the influence, no seatbelts. I got a bunch of stuff. Um, But nothing went on my record. I got away clean. How? my best friend that was with me, his mom was the county clerk. No freaking way. <laughs> she got us out. She got us out of a lot of trouble no growing up. Way. But she was the county clerk and she was like really good friends with the judge. And I, I did have to pay some fines, but and I didn't, and nothing went on my record and they suspended my license for six months. Now I told you this was for my 17th party when I was supposed to get my license. Mm. This was on Friday. I was supposed to go to the DMV and get my license on that Monday. Um, so I got my license on that Monday and like the week afterwards they took it away for six months. Wow. But you probably still drove, right? Uh, I think I did. I think I still drove after. So it's like it didn't even matter. No, I think I still did. You would just have to be very careful. You probably be careful. Yeah. And I didn't drive a yellow pickup truck. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. But. Dang. Okay. So. You, you've been through a lot. Um. I want to go back to you being in the military. Yeah. What made you want to join that? I didn't want to go to college. Okay. And what was your experience in the military? Um, looking back, okay, looking back at it now, it was my, I, my bipolarism was starting to affect me back then. I didn't know this at the time, you know. Um, I mean, would you say, I mean, is there an age that that can just hit you? Or are you like... 
born with it? Or some like, people, some people, it's your, it's in your teens. Some people, it's in your teens, but mostly it starts in your adulthood, like in your. Early oh, it adulthood. comes later. What the hell? It comes late. It could, it could That's be. That's so or weird. Later. So you could just be like fine for twenty goes, years, and then you're like, oh, now I have bipolar. Yeah. What the heck? Why does that happen? I mean, I've always been bipolar, but I just got diagnosed with it recently. But no, but like you just said. How does it happen? I don't know. I guess like does it, why does that hit you later? I'm not very sure. I'm not sure if it's, I mean, uh, I've always wondered the same thing. I've also experimented with a lot of psychedelics. I've done a lot of LSD. I've done a lot of, you know, mushrooms. Um, and I w I've always wondered if that had anything to do with it. If that had any anything to do with with maybe prolonging it or or stoking the fire a little bit. Um, I don't know if the you, the use of marijuana did it. Is there a correlation between people who are bipolar and the use of drugs? Nah, not that I know of. That would be an interesting. One. Not that I know of. But when I was in the military. Um, I was, again, the reason I, looking back at it now, everything I think about for the last 10 years, I'm seeing it from a new perspective. Because living it, I knew there was something wrong, but I just thought that's the way I was. So, for example, when I was in the military, I was the best sailor that there was. Because, um, you know, the, just like anything, you could be mediocre, you could be a really just regular sailor, or you could shine. You could be one of the best. Right. And I remember I was one of the best. I wanted to be in everything. I wanted to volunteer. I remember I had like three jobs. I used to be an EMT in Japan. Um, I drove an ambulance. I was in the color guard. I like anything that extra extracurricular activities you could do, I was doing it. Um, that was all my bipolarism. But then I would get into these depressive episodes where you have to keep up with all this shit you just did. So I would go into these depressive episodes and everything would start slacking and, you know, I would start getting written up. I was drinking a lot. Um, then that's the, remember the first time I got dying. Oh, and then one of the symptoms of bipolarism when it's pretty bad, I haven't experienced it in a few years, but is hearing voices and um, seeing like seeing things. And I remember when I was in the military, I used to think people were following me. I used to think the CIA was behind me like or the FBI or something uh for the longest time I used to think that there was like the CIA was investigating me and uh, I remember going to like psychiatry and going to like therapy and telling them this and they were just saying no you just you're anxious um you need to be on medication and that's the first time that I was ever tried medication was when I was in the military mm -hmm. and I think this is one of the reasons I was I've been so against medications is because the military didn't care what I was telling them they didn't care that I was saying, hey, I'm experiencing this, I'm seeing this, I'm hearing voices. Um, their answer to everything was, take this, take this, take this. They were just They doping. wanted a quick fix for you. Yeah, they were just doping me up. And I remember one day I, I destroyed my room, destroyed my TV and everything. And um, eventually I got kicked out of the military. I got separated um, for failure to adjust um, due to my anxiety and my depression. Um, so... As far as my experience in the military, I loved it, uh, but I hated it at the same time. I loved what I did. I was a corpsman, so I was a medic. I was a combat medic. Um, so I loved taking care of people. I loved, um, you know, the medicine aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, I hated the structure. I hated the politics. You know, I hated them telling you how to live your life. Like, you know, this is what time you get to eat. This is what time you go to sleep. 
this is what time you get to shit. Like, they control everything about every you. Little yeah, every little detail. Yeah, every little detail. I would hate, hate that, too. I hated that. But um, overall, I'm very happy with, with the military just because it gave me a career. You know, um, I worked in ophthalmology when I was in the military. I worked in a, in a hospital in Okinawa in Japan, and I worked in the ophthalmology department. For those of you who know what ophthalmology is, it's the surgical aspect of the eye. Um, so That's like, so niche. Yeah, so like if you have cataracts or glaucoma or diabetes or something, it's, you know, you don't go to the eye doctor for that. You go to the ophthalmologist. How do you spell that? O-P-H-T-H-A-L-M-O-L-I-G-S-T. Ophthalmologist. Okay. Definition? A s- medical doctor of the eye. Or a surgeon, technically. Okay. Surgeon of the eye. But no, yeah, when I got out of the military, I continued in that career. Um, I started off as a technician and it slowly worked my way up the ranks until I became a surgical technician and assisting surgeons in surgery. And that's that's pretty much what I do. Um, only since I've moved here to Denver that I started doing more consulting. Or to, to Tampa. What did I say? You said to Denver. <laughs> Denver, sorry, to Tampa. Yeah, up until I moved to Tampa, I've kind of been trying other things in the same field, still ophthalmology, but like now I'm in software, whereas before I was actually assisting the surgeons and like doing eye exams and all this stuff. So that's one good thing I got out of the military. You know, I know I didn't go to college. I don't have any education, but I've been. That's very, crazy. Yeah. And you've done so I've much. been very successful in my career thanks to the military. So that's crazy. I've been all over this country thanks to this um, career. I've lived in, I've lived in about ten cities. More, I've lived in, I've lived all over the country. I've been to all, all fifty states. Where's your like your most favorite place that you've been? That I've lived in, or yeah. I've been in? San uh, Francisco. I guess you've lived. I want to say San Francisco because I lived on a boat. Again, it was another manic episode. Um, I just randomly. You're just like I want to live, I'm on, live a boat. on a boat. But was there anything that made you want, like, think that? It's actually a really cool story. Okay. Um, so I was living, right after the military, I went back home to New Jersey to live with my parents. And I was working in the eye industry, you know, just helping doctors out. And then ran, oh, no, actually, I think I, I got fired from one job. Now, <laughs> I was working at a pizza restaurant. And then randomly one day, some guy sent me an email saying, hey, I found your resume online. Do you want to come work for this company? Uh, it's called the LASIK Vision Institute. It's okay. a company that does LASIK, eye surgeries. Yeah. And at that point, I was so sick of working in this pizza restaurant that I was ready to take any, any opportunity. Yeah. So I remember emailing the guy back, yeah, I'll take it. Like, let's do it. Um, and the guy said, awesome, I'll, we'll do an interview. And we, you know, we went through the process, the interviewing process and everything. And he said, dude, you're hired. I'll send you the offer letter. Never did he mention where the job was, and never did I ask. So when he sent the offer letter, it said San Francisco, California. I didn't think twice. I saw San Francisco, California, and I said, yes, I'm going. Wow, you don't really think things are happening. No. <laughs> I just remember going, I don't care what I have to do, I'm going. And um, Do you think things through more now? Yeah, or? no, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So I remember selling everything I had and Moving to San Francisco. Holy crap. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you guys know, I'm sure everyone knows San Francisco is the most expensive city in the country. It 
you know, rent and cost of living is ridiculous. I didn't know this at the time. I just thought... How long ago was this? This was 2015. Okay. So about six years ago. I got to San Francisco and the company paid for me to move out there and they paid for three nights at a hotel. And they said, after these three nights, you're on your own. And I was like, fine, that's like easy. I'll find something in three days. And I'm like, I was a huge procrastinator. So like the first day I got there, I remember that one of my biggest dreams was to always go to Hyde Ashbury and hang out with the hippies. So like, that's the first thing I did. Like the first two days I was in San Francisco, I didn't even bother looking for somewhere to live. Wow. And then I remember the third day I went back to the hotel room and I got online and started looking for apartments and I was just like, oh, I can't afford this. Yeah. Like, there was nothing less than two grand, nothing less than three yeah. grand. Like, it's impossible. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, so I was homeless for about two weeks. A lot of people live in their cars. Yeah. Or was- are they homeless? I was homeless for about two weeks, so I had already started the job, thankfully, so I wasn't really homeless. I was sleeping in the office. I would wait till everybody left, and then I would sleep in the closet in the back. Um, Or I would uh, hang a hammock outside the office, and I'd sleep in a hammock in a tree. Um, And I got a gym membership right across the street from the office, and like that's where I would shower and everything. And then um, after two weeks, I was in an Uber, and I was crying. I remember I was crying in this Uber and the Uber driver was like, what's going on, man? And I told him, I'm like, hey, man, like, I, I got nowhere to live. Like, I didn't know it was going to be this difficult. And he's like, so we started talking and he's like, what are you into? And I, you know, I told him I was into nature. I'm a huge hiker. I'm a huge adventurer. I'm all about the outdoors. And he was like, have you ever thought about living on a boat? The second he said that, the idea just planted in my head. I said, I'm going to live on a boat. And this is, this is how bipolarism works. Oh my gosh, you didn't even think about like, that. No, I was just like, it's, and the thing, and what I mean, now that I look back at it now, I knew it was a manic, it was the start of a manic episode, was because you get this burning feeling inside. You know when you're very excited for something? Uh-huh. You just get this like, I have to do this. Like, this is the most exciting thing in the world. Right you now. just didn't even know anything. No, I didn't know it. anything. I didn't even know how to sail a boat. Like, I didn't know anything. Okay, so how did this happen? So he says, I live on a boat, he told me. He's like, I live on a boat. Um, He goes, I usually don't do this, but I know someone who's trying to get rid of their boat. Maybe they can help you out. And I was like, all right, let's do this. He gave me their phone number. And I remember the next day I called this guy up. And I was like, hey, I heard you were selling your boat. Maybe you could help me out. Like, I'm looking for somewhere to live. The guy's like, yeah, come on over. I'm in Alameda. Alameda's across the bay from San Francisco. Um, I'll show you the boat. And I was like, bet, I'll be there. So I remember going there, meeting this guy, and he brings me onto his boat. And now the second I see this boat, I'm seeing this beautiful thing. And I'm like, and he brings me inside. He's never, doesn't say a word the whole time. He's just showing me around. He's like, this is the bedroom. This is the kitchen. Here's the living room. It was this beautiful boat. And the whole time I'm thinking, how the fuck am I going to afford this? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way I'm going to afford this. Mm-hmm. And um, he sits me down. Mind you, he hasn't said a word this whole time. He sits me down, cracks open a beer, hands me a beer, goes through his suitcase, takes out a piece of paper, and says, give me $1,000. It's yours. Yeah. And I'm just sitting there like, what, dude? I'm like, is this thing going to sink? I'm like, is there drugs on this boat? 
And I'm like, what's the catch, man? Because this boat, there's no way it was worth $1,000, you know? I later found out the boat was worth $80,000, um, but I got it for 1000 So the catch Why? was yeah. the guy was going through a divorce, and his wife took absolutely everything from him, and he had no money left over. And the yacht club he had this boat docked in had uh, like a yacht fee every month, and he was six months like due. He hadn't paid his yacht fee in six months. That next day, they were going to lean his boat. They were going to take the boat from him because I guess the fee was worth now more than the boat. Yeah. So he's like, here's the catch. $1,000, but this boat needs to leave tonight. Like, it can't be here tomorrow. And I was like, I don't know how to sail. He goes, that's not my problem. It has to leave tonight. I'm like, got it. I got you. I'm like, I'll be right back. So I went to the bank. I got half the money. I worked it out with him. I'm like, listen, I'll give you half today, and I'll give you the rest in the next few weeks. So I remember going to the bank. I got 500 bucks, and then right next to the bank, there was a Starbucks. I remember going into the Starbucks to get internet, and I went on YouTube, and I typed in how to sail. I watched maybe like four or five videos on how to sail a boat. I read the Wikipedia page for sailing um, to try to like learn the physics behind it, and I was like, all right, let's do this. Um, so I remember getting on the boat and then trying to get it out of this marina. And I don't know if you've ever been to San Francisco. I have not. No. Or, okay, so there's this, the bay. It's a huge bay. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Oakland Bay Bridge, which is a very busy shipping like passage. And I'm talking like big shipping containers yeah, yeah. that are going into the Oakland docks. Uh, so I remember I'm motoring the boat. I managed to motor it outside of the channel because you can't put your sails up when you're in this channel. But once it opens up into the bay, you have to put your sails up. I didn't know what to do. I just knew that if I pulled this string, the sails would go up. Um, So as soon as I got out of the channel, I pulled that that rope and the sail went and the wind just took the boat on its own. Like the boat just went like, and. I was going directly straight into this giant shipping container and the, sh- and the shipping container starts blasting his horn like, bah, bah. and I'm trying to turn the boat and it's not turning. And I didn't know this at the time. You have to set your sails in a specific way for the boat to, for the wind to take your boat. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not turning. It's not turning. Um, and this boat, the shipping container is just blasting its horn, just blasting its horn because I'm like directly in its path. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. Nobody hears me. So I, the boat had a radio. And I'm like, okay, maybe the radio. So I grabbed the radio and I just start screaming, help, help, help. Like I don't know if anyone's listening. I'm yeah. just screaming, help, 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 help. Within five minutes, the Coast Guard shows up and surrounds my boat. They hop on the boat. They tie it up to one of their boats and they like pushed me out of the way and they're all screaming at me like with guns and everything like what the hell is wrong with you and I'm like I'm sorry I don't know what I'm doing like I'm so sorry I'm sorry I'm terrified they bring me into Treasure Cove which is this little cove on Treasure Island which is in the middle of the bay they anchor me out there and they gave me a fine it was like a $1,500 fine oh my gosh and they just left me floating out there So now I'm just floating in the middle of the bay going, what do I do now? 
Uh, wow, that's not a really great way to like handle that situation. No. They should have given you, they should have taught you what to do. No, they're not going to teach me what to do. Why? That would have been something smart for them to do. And they're not going to give you a, a, a sailing lesson right then or there. You know? I mean, not even like a 10 minute uh, sailing 101. No. <laughs> not like three tips you could no. do for sailing. Not really, no. They were, they were not happy. They were not happy with me. Well, they're not going to be happy with you again. By well, they left me at, They left me in this cove where there was a lot of other boats. There was a lot of other boats, and there was a lot of different sailors, so I guess they would assume I would figure it out from there. Hmm. Now, it gets better, because this isn't going to be my first encounter with them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so now I have to find a place to dock this boat so I could live on it. Now, mind you, everyone in San Francisco wants to live on their boat. So I start calling up all these marinas and telling them, hey, I have a boat. I want to live on it. Like, will you take me? And they're all either hanging up on me, laughing, or they're like, yeah, we'll put you on the wait list. The wait list was six years for just to get a slip. No freaking way. Yeah. It was six years just to be able to live on your boat and all these marinas. So I'm like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. After, so for two weeks, I'm just sitting there floating trying to find somewhere to live on this boat. So to get to work and back, I had to buy a kayak. So I would kayak to San Francisco. Oh my God. Yeah, I would kayak to San Francisco. I would hide my kayak in a bush, take an Uber to work, and then after work, I would kayak back onto my boat. Did you make decent money? I made pretty good money. Yeah, I made pretty good money. Were you able to like pay for all the things that you had to buy? Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I, I was living pretty frugal. I mean, there was not really a lot of expenses, you okay. know, and I was making good money and most of it was going towards weed, honestly. Mind you, I'm high every, this whole time. I'm always high. Okay. My main priority was getting my medical card, you know, going to dispensaries. I remember trying to go to dispensaries. I was still like enjoying my San Francisco. Like I live in San Francisco. Like I wasn't like worried about this boat situation really. Eventually, I learned from the locals there that you can do what's called, um, uh, what was it called? It's not live aboard. Anyway, you can live on your boat, but not tell the people on the marina that you're living on it. You kind of like sneak on, sneak aboard. It's called sneak aboard. You sneak onto the boat at night when the harbor master leaves. I'm not surprised. And then you sneak out in the morning before the harbor master arrives. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I just got to find a marina and tell them I'm just going to put my boat there. I'm not going to tell them I'm going to live on it. So I found a marina in South San Francisco that um, was willing to take me. So now I have to take my boat from North San, you know, from San Francisco all the way down to South San Francisco. I don't know if you know what's in South San Francisco. Nope. The San Francisco airport. Okay. And the runway is right on the bay, right on the water. Mm -hmm. So as I'm sailing it from, and by this point I've, I've, I had already tried practicing sailing and stuff like that. Um, I'm sailing it south and I had to turn into the marina this way and the airport was right here. And as I'm getting towards the marina, my boat's not turning. My boat is not turning. My boat's not turning. He keeps going straight. He keeps going straight until I get into the active runway of the airport. Again, all these sirens start going off. Why um, can't your boat turn? I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know. Oh, you're still, you're still. Yeah, I still didn't know what I was doing. Um, again, the Coast Guard ended up showing up. The same guys. I wasn't. I don't know if it was the same guys, 
but the Coast Guard showed up. And it, it was like a special force for the airport. I don't know. Um, and I, they did the same thing. They got my boat. You know, I told them where I was headed. And another fine. Another fine later. How much? Another 1500 bucks. Wow, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. Long story short, I lived on it for three years. I became a really good sailor. I became a really good sailor. I would sail all over San Francisco. Now, the cool thing about San Francisco is there's all these restaurants, all these clubs on, on the water. Right. Where, like, you know how, like, you drive to the club and you park your car? Yeah, you can just you drive sail, to the boat. You could just sail your boat to these restaurants. And, like, yeah. it was a really cool lifestyle. Yeah, that is really cool. It was a really cool lifestyle. I met some really good people. Um, it was a really cool lifestyle. Like, just, like, living this hippie life on the boat. And mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful life. But, like, by the third year, I started going crazy. Because, like, you're enclosed in this thing right. for so long. It's more confining of a space. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, eventually I sold the boat and I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina after another manic episode. So I tend to get, when I get manic episodes, I, tra- I tend to move cross country. I just think I gotta, I gotta leave. I gotta leave. So like I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and yeah, and then I started a new chapter there. Okay. So and you're I sold here. my boat, but I sold so my boat and made really good profit. So you're here due to a manic episode? Here in Tampa? Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. So how long do you think you're going to last? Well, I'm, I'm stable now. I guess so. I Just, mean, are you tapering on a medication, though? You're figuring your medication out. I, I think we've got it locked down. You've got it locked down. Yeah, because I've been trying medication since April. Um... I they just you know I just started a new one this last few weeks uh, for my depression because the manic we got the man the mania under control, the mania is definitely under control. Um, I haven't gotten you know these euphoric highs or anything in a long time. Um, I'm able to think straight. You know I can actually make decisions on my own. You know one of the reasons I had to move in with my parents was because I couldn't make decisions for myself. How did they feel once they found out? That's a great question and. It's something that I've struggled with and that they struggle with because I'm Latino and in Latin culture, mental health isn't a a thing. You know, the word mental health is just... So are they just trying to like... They kind of ignore it. They kind of, they kind of think um, I'm either one making it up. They think you're making this up? Yeah, they think I'm making it up or they, for them, the, the easiest response is just suck it up. Like just just suck it oh, up, yeah. Trump. You know, you you like sh- stop. You know. So, so is that why? Maybe do you may do you feel that maybe you could have been helped or helped yourself earlier on if they would have done something before? Like, do you feel like they noticed something from you? No, because I was I lived I've I've been gone for the last ten years, so they never saw this. Okay. You know, I've been gone. I've been away from them for the last 10 years. So, so they don't really recognize. They don't know who I am. They don't really know. You know, they didn't know what I was up to for the last 10 years. Do you have any siblings? I do. Are, they, I do. are you guys close? Have you yes, guys very have... close. See, my sister is the one that's very supportive. She's been the most supportive out of all this. Does she recognize? She does. Okay. She was actually, she actually flew to Denver during my last manic episode um, to take care of my dog while I was in the hospital. Because, uh, so what happened was after, you know, after all this partying I told you I was doing, after breaking up with my girlfriend, uh, racking up all this debt, quitting my job, um, smoking all this weed, I remember sitting in my apartment one day going, there's something wrong with you. 
there's something really wrong with you. Um, and I remember just start calling all these psychiatrists, calling psychologists all over Denver, like all these 1-800 helplines, mm-hmm. just trying to get help. And uh, eventually one place was like, come in now. And um, I remember showing up with my dog. My dog never leaves my side. I was I, would, I take him everywhere. And um, I remember showing up to my dog to this like help place. Um, it was like a walking clinic for mental health. And I remember just telling them, like, there's something wrong with me. I'm like, I, I don't know what's wrong, but, like, this is what's been going on. These are my symptoms, blah, blah, blah. And I think they noticed I was, like, very wired. And they're like, you're most likely going through a manic episode right now. Like, They're like, do you know what bipolarism is? And I was like, I have no idea what that is. They're like, you need to go to a hospital. And I was like, if that's going to help me feel better, sure. Yeah. I was like, yeah. And I remember leaving the leaving that place – and they gave me the phone number to the hospital and everything. They said, call them and see if they have a bed for you. But before I called them, oh no, I called them first and they said, yeah, come in tonight at eight o'clock. We'll intake you. And then I remember going, oh shit, like, what am I going to do with my dog? Like, who's going to take care of my dog? Um, so I remember first thinking bipolarism, like, what the hell is that? And I remember I was pulled over and I Googled it, like bipolar disorder. And I started reading up on it and it was just night and day. It was like everything I was reading made sense. And I remember just starting to cry, just like crying, crying. And that's when I called my sister and I told her everything that had been going on. And I was like, Hey, listen, I need to go to a hospital. I, I, I need you to get on the next plane and um, I need you to come take care of my dog. I don't know how long I'm going to be in the hospital and all this shit. And she did. She flew out there with her boyfriend. They stayed in my apartment, took care of my dog while I was in the hospital. Wow, that's really nice of them. Yeah, she's she's been she's always been very supportive. She's always the one that I call when I'm depressed or like you know crying. Or... Did she think that maybe you had this? No one knew what bipolarism was. She you know she okay. just that's thought interesting. Nobody knew, and I remember the day I, I think that's officially... maybe because of your culture that you guys don't really. It's definitely it has to do with because my culture. because I've known what that is for a long time. No, yeah, it's definitely because of my culture. Definitely. Like I said, it just doesn't exist. Mental health just doesn't exist. so interesting. Especially where I come from. You know, I I come from this little mountain town in Colombia where, like, there's no such thing as mental health. There's, you know, if you're sick, you just go get get over it. No, yeah, you get over it. Or if you have certain symptoms, you, um, you know, you just go grab some tree limbs and some leaves and make a tea, you know, to get over your cold. But no, I remember the day I specifically got diagnosed with bipolarism, like the day it was official, I cried out of relief because I finally had an answer. Like it was very like, like, Like you can kind of breathe now. Everything makes so much sense. And like, I remember just now I have to deal with uh, processing because like I told you, I'm a photographer. I document everything. I document my whole life. I'm constantly taking pictures of everything. And I remember the first few days in the hospital because I was able to have my phone going back. I'm talking years, you know, just scrolling, scrolling, going, oh, I was manic here. Like, oh, I was manic here. Wow, that must have been really crazy. No, yeah. And like there's some videos and pictures that like I look at them now and I'm going, oh, because I, I guess one of the things I used to do when I was manic was I like to I used to record myself. I guess I knew there was something wrong with me. So I was like, I need to record myself. So like now that I look at these videos of me just doing some random shit or like 
dancing or just or pictures of me freaking out on the mirror like I look at them and I'm going I don't know it's weird it's like it's like okay it makes sense sense. it makes so much sense so that's crazy yeah um okay so you've moved here you've you've gone through a lot um I do kind of want to close it off is there anything else that you want to say like anything else that has really impacted you in life that you haven't mentioned not really just those were the big the big that's been the biggest thing and, and I guess oh wait I'm, you you're not smoking weed anymore no I can't why I can't you can't well, according to well, one is just because I know how much trouble it'll get me in financially. You're just trying to do it for your your own self improvement. Yeah, yeah, and and I, I, it can definitely trigger some mania, I believe. Okay, so you're yeah. trying to do it for your own mental health. Yeah. And financial stability. Yeah. No, but like even before I was diagnosed with bipolarism, I always wanted to quit. I've I've been trying to quit for years. Like I've gone, I've been in and out of rehab. Right. Okay, you say years. you've been in and out of rehab. Has rehab helped you? For a little amount of time. Like I'll be sober for like six months, and then I would start smoking again. Okay. So, so it's helped in the short term. Yeah. What did they do for you in rehab? Well, is it just a lot of kind of like therapy? It's a lot of therapy. A lot of it. Yeah. It's you know, it was, it was outpatient rehab, so it wasn't like the rehab where you stay for a while. It was like you would just go like three times okay, a week. Okay, so and it's stuff. like therapy. So it was yeah, it was therapy, coping, learning how to cope. Um, you know, having to go to NA meetings, AA meetings. Okay. So how come do you? How come you think it only helped you for the short term? Because I would just fall right back into it. You know, after six months, I would go if I just smoke once a week, like I'll be fine. Or like, let me just smoke once and then I won't smoke again, you know? And then that, all it takes is that one time, you know, mm-hmm. I would smoke, let's say I would plan it. I would be like, okay, I'm going to smoke on Friday night and then I won't smoke for a few weeks. And then it was just too next, thing you know, next thing you know, I'm back in the dispensary that Saturday. Right. Okay. Just know? too, the temptation's just too strong. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, so it's kind of like, do you think this realization of, uh, you having bipolar just kind of wants you to, I don't know, you kind of just want to get yourself totally together. I like, mean, I'm current, I'm, that's what I'm currently at, right? I'm, I'm, I'm stable. I'm definitely more mellow. Um, I'm right now. My biggest priority is to get out of all the debt I got myself into. And so I'm, I'm a workaholic. For, so I've just been working, 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 trying to get out of debt. Okay, so you think do you think that's like the biggest motivator for you to not smoke right now? Oh yeah, for sure. Is the financial stability. It's financial. Um, but right now I'm just trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Because um, it's it's a whole new thing, you know. Like once I get out of debt, like now what do I sit Because I don't want to stay here in Florida. You know, I eventually want to move back to the West. Um, it's just what like part? It's just restarting. Most likely Denver. Okay. Most likely back to Colorado. Um, but no, right now my biggest priority is get out of debt. You know, thank God, thankfully I'm living with my parents, so I don't have to pay rent. You know, they've been very supportive in that sense. That's really good. Yeah. They've been very good on that sense. So like, every, you know, every single dollar I make goes straight towards debt 
and um, I've, you know, I've slowly been chipping away at it. Um, but we'll see. You know, part of the part of why I'm joining meetups is because I'm finally starting to get to the point where I'm ready to start socializing again. You know, because I'm a very social person. Um, I love you know going out and doing things. It's just for the last few months I've just been so depressed and so um, working so much. I've I've been working like crazy the last few months, but it's gotten to the point where. Um, I'm a little bit more financially stable. Um, not every dollar has has to go to debt anymore. So like I'm able to start going out again. Um, so yeah, I want to start doing things again, making friends. Um, cause you know, just not having friends, you know, just staying home every single day. Right. Like people, people will definitely help you, um, lift your spirits for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know, I want to start dating again. Um, you know, because especially after the last, my last relationship, I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot about who I am, mm-hmm. you know, not only as a person, but who I am in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned things I'd never want to do again. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that relationship was supposed to end? Yeah. I mean, I fucked up. Okay. But do you think you, did you want that relationship to end though? Besides you messing up? Or which, do you wish that you didn't mess up and you want? I wish I never messed up. You know. Okay. So I like, messed... do you? I don't know. Like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, do you think you met you messed that one up? Yeah, I messed up. So, big time. okay. So you would have rather stayed with, with her. Yeah. Yeah. Would you try to get back together with her? If I could, yeah, but there's no communication. Okay, so she kind of cut you off. She completely cut me off, yeah. Okay. I don't know where she's at. I, I, I don't know where she has on this, is on this planet. Okay. I don't know what she's up to. I don't have anything. Okay, see, that was like a live and learn yeah. relationship. Yeah, I, I messed up really bad. And, you know, it sucks to, to know that the reason I messed up was because of the bipolarism. You know, I did a lot of bad things while I was manic. Um, you know, I cheated on her. Um, How long was this relationship? Two years. So we're gonna have to wrap the sentence. This is yeah, gonna die. Where are we at? There's probably like three percent left. Oh, battery wise. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Why? <laughs> I didn't realize it was that bad. It's pretty low. Okay. Um. So yeah, in conclusion, I'm just I'm at a point where I'm excited but afraid at the same time. Why are you afraid? Just because I don't know what's next. You know, the fear That's of the kind unknown. of exciting, though. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's like nervous exciting. It's the fear of the unknown. Right. That's always great. Anyways, thank you for sharing your story. Yeah. You have a wild and crazy life. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of growth in you. And I don't know, these are always the stories that people like to hear. Like <laughs> the ones that are um, where you just go through a lot of shit but you come out on the side where the grass is greener under you. The hero's journey, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for sharing. I know that's a lot of very personal stuff. So I appreciate it, and I hope you guys appreciate it too. And we hope you uh, listen next time on Genuine Connections. I didn't realize this thing was dying.